Well, it is so good to be together with you. And for those of you that we get to join you online, it's so good to be together with you. Uh, For those of you that are new with us in the room, I just want to let you know my name's Casey, and I want to remind you of what Joe said earlier. There's a Connect card located in the seat back of that chair in front of you. And before you leave today, will you take it back to the welcome table? We're going to have a host there who would love to give you a gift for being with us today. And I tell all of our guests this, this is a bribe. Plain and simple, this is a bribe because we want you to come back and we want you to be a part of our church family. We want to be family to you and uh, we hope that we get that opportunity. We love being together. And if it's your first time in a long time, we're so grateful to be together with you and we hope that to see you again next Sunday. Hey, Westside, let's give all of those online as well, those in the room that are new with us, a warm welcome, letting them know how grateful we are to be together. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now, uh, before we move into today's teaching, I want to take a moment and I want us to pray uh, for our our students that are going back to school. Many of our students are going back to school this week. Some of our students uh, went back to school for the first time this past week uh, on a couple days. And and so I want to pray for our students and I want to invite you to do that with me. I also want to pray for all of our um, faculty. So if you're a part of a faculty at a, one of our local schools, uh, if you're online, we want to pray, and you're part of a faculty of a local school, we want to pray for you as well. And, um, and so online, this is what I want you to do. I want If you're faculty of a local school or you're a homeschool, uh, you have a homeschool and you're the primary uh, teacher in your, uh, your students' lives, I want you to type in uh, where you, your school district is. Do that online. If you're in the room, hey, can we get the lights on for a second, gentlemen? I want us to do something. Hey, teachers, you have a lot of courage every week. I know this, and I'm going to ask you to do something courageous. Will you stand up? If you're, if you're in faculty at one of our schools, if you work at any capacity in the local school or you're a homeschool parent, yeah, thank them. Yeah, yeah. You guys are rock stars. Stay standing. Stay standing. Oh, stay standing. Come on. Yeah. Now, if you're sending someone to school or you yourself are going to school, I want you to stand up too. I want you to stand up. If you're sending someone to school or you as an adult are going to school or a young adult, yeah. I mean, you guys take a lot of courage right there, yeah. This is no days off right here. That's what we're talking about. Now, Westside, let's all stand together because we are behind all our students. We're behind our families and we're behind our educators and our faculty that serve our kids. And can we pray? Because they need our prayers. Let's do that. Father, we come right now and we lift our kids to you that we're sending back to school. Uh, we lift our kids to you that, uh, that are teenagers. We lift them up that are middle and high school. We lift up our, our uh, young adult kids and, our, and those here that are adults and they're uh, going back to school. God, we lift them up and um, we pray that their faith is anchored in who they are in Jesus. May their faith not be anchored in anything else, but in anchored in who they are in Jesus, knowing that they're loved by you and that they're made in the image of Jesus. I pray that that become their identity and may it be established in who they are in him. Father, we also ask you as parents, co-parents, grandparents, um, those that influence kids in our lives, God, we ask you to help us, enable us to lead our kids and our teens to be salt that preserves in their culture and be light that points the way to Jesus. We know that we're sending them into a, a very tense culture. And we pray that your protection be on them. We pray you protect their hearts and you guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And we pray that as the role we have in their life, we lead them well. 
We pray for those that are faculty in the schools. We pray for those that are also involved in homeschool or private schools. God, we pray that you, for all the educators, and we pray for everyone involved that are Christ followers and and non-Christ followers, but God, we specifically pray for our, our fellow believers and our fellow Christ followers. May they be leaders. May they be strong leaders who lead with conviction. May they lead with love, and may they lead with Jesus-centered values. I pray you give them wisdom through the Holy Spirit, wisdom to navigate all that comes their way as they come into this season and this time. And may they stand as beacons of light in a world that is growing dark. We pray that they become wise leaders. We pray that as through they, they act wisely, may they also lead with integrity and an innocence that cannot be accused. Father, we give our, all the faculty to you. We trust them in your leading, in your care. We give all of our kids, teenagers, and young adults and our adult students to you, and we entrust them into your care. And Father, may your kingdom come in them and through them as we all follow Jesus together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Uh, go ahead and get out your notes. Uh, if you're online, there are notes being posted. Also, there, if you're on the app, they're in that or our online uh, church campus. They're there as well. Um, we are in this series called Given For, and we're in our third week of this, where we are talking about this idea of what we're going to be given for, because you are for something. And right now, culture is pushing us. I mean, there is an extreme push and a voice to try to get everyone to identify what you're for. I mean, we could go just down the list, but are you for this or for that? And if you're for this, you're against that. And we are pinning each other against each other, finding out what we're for. And to be for something is to be against something else. And there's no more better time for us as a church to come in unity, to come together and understand what we are for. As followers of Jesus, we need to understand what we're for. And we need to understand this, that who we are determines what we are for. Who we are as Christ followers, who we are that God has done in our life and what he's done in us and how we identify with him and each other, this determines what we are for. Now, in week one, we discovered who we are. In week one, we discovered that we are a people who are loved by God and we are a people who are forgiven by God, that God recklessly came into our world to take on humanity's form. And when he did this, he came with one purpose, to fix what our sin, our selfish sin, had broken. He came to restore humanity in our relationship with God. And God did this by sending Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, to die, to pay the penalty of a sin that we all bear in our relationship with God. We, we, we owe a penalty and owe a debt to God. And he didn't just pay for my debt, he paid for your debt. And the debt of the whole world was carried on Jesus as he went to the cross. And the Holy Spirit of God brought Jesus back to life so that he can give life to all who trust in him and follow him as Lord. So who are we? We are forgiven. We are loved. We are part of the family of God. We are new creations, a part of a new family. And we have a purpose that is go, goes beyond what anything we have ever known in life. And when we understand that, we will be fulfilled. We will be fulfilled. We will rest in this understanding of who we are. And maybe that's what you're looking for today. Maybe you're looking for fulfillment. Maybe you're looking for purpose. Maybe you're trying to figure out what's my place in this world. And if that is you, maybe that's what you're looking for today. Maybe you're looking for purpose. You're looking for love. You're looking for fulfillment or the satisfaction to feel something that you feel empty of inside. 
Well, I want you to know something today. And we want you to know something. Jesus is for you. And he is for you. And because he is for you, he not only wants to forgive you, he wants to give you all that he is. And when you receive all that you can receive from Jesus and all that he is, you receive everything from him, you receive life. Because that is who Jesus is. He is life. And when we are in Jesus, you know who we are? We are alive. We are alive in Christ together as the body of Christ. We have life. That is who we are because of Jesus being for us. Now, so here's a serious big idea that we've been looking at, that we are forgiven So we can be given for Jesus, for his church, and for our cities. You know, because you're forgiven, you can be given for Jesus. And you're to be given for the church and to be given for our cities. When we put our faith in Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus, and you receive his life, you receive his forgiveness, you receive a new purpose. You may have had a purpose before following Jesus. You may have thought you had a purpose, but in following Jesus, you have a a, a purpose that is the most fulfilling purpose that you receive when you put your your trust in him. See, we no longer live for our selfish purposes anymore. We live for Jesus. And let me tell you something. Let me just explain something. See, we're not for Jesus because we want something from him. It's not that we're for Jesus because we want our life to go well or we want a better marriage or we want better kids or we want to send successful kids, raise them up. That's not why we're for Jesus, to get something from him. You know why we're for Jesus? We're for Jesus because we've already received everything from him. He's freely given it. And because he's already given us everything we need in him, we are for Jesus. In John, 1 John, actually, at 4.19, he says, we love him because he first loved us. This is why we're for him. We're for Jesus because Jesus is for us. This is who we are. We, and who we are is determined what, by what Jesus has done for us. And who you are will determine who you are for. And we're for Jesus. Because he's for us. Now, nobody knew this better, in my opinion, than the Apostle Paul, because this was his story. If you don't know anything about the Apostle Paul, or maybe you're a skeptic here today of Christ and, or Jesus and the Christian faith, you know, the Apostle Paul, in my opinion, is the best, one of the two best evidences that we have in Scripture for who Jesus claimed to be as God and he claimed in, in his, his resurrection. Because if Jesus came back to life, everything that he said was true. And the best, two best evidences that I, I could give you of, of Jesus is the Apostle Paul and Jesus' half-brother James. I mean, after all, if you're the brother of James, what would it take? I mean, brother of Jesus, what it, would it take for you to put your faith in your brother who he said he was not just your Lord, but he was your Savior and he is God? I mean, he'd have to come back to life to believe that, wouldn't he? Well, that's James' story. Two best evidences. And Paul's story is a great story to give you credibility for, to believe in Jesus. See, Paul was against Jesus. He was Paul. He was a part of this religious, religious regime who was responsible for crucifying Jesus because of Jesus' claim that he was God and he was starting something brand new. And because of this, they, the apostle Paul was against Jesus. He, had, he was part of that whole thing to get Jesus arrested. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, he was against all the disciples and the movement of what they called the way. He would, he would put them in prison and he was personally responsible for even Stephen's death, one of the disciples that we read about in Acts. And in this, Paul did not 
follow Jesus. In fact, he was against Jesus and everything Jesus was for until something happened. Paul has an encounter with Jesus, and he realizes that he's encountered the resurrected Jesus. And you know what Jesus was? Jesus wasn't against Paul. Jesus was for Paul. He gave Paul what he wants to give everyone, life, forgiveness, and part of this family. And then Paul puts his life for Jesus. And he begins to make disciples. These disciples emerge. They build churches. They come together. And not like buildings, they build churches, but they give these gatherings, start to form of all these disciples. And then the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to write these letters to all these different churches. One of these letters is Ephesus. And as Paul's talking to this church in Ephesus, he's writing this letter. He might have been dictating it because he was in prison. Or, but as he's writing this letter, he's, he's doing this. And there's something unique that's happening here. The Holy Spirit, it's almost like he's getting so excited about what God has done through Jesus for all of humanity. And it's this mystery that has been just revealed. And he's, he's so amazed that he's a part of this. And he almost, in the middle of his letter, as he's talking, as he's writing to this church, it's almost like, it, like, I believe he actually gets down on his knees because of what he's about ready to write. But he says this, For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Look at this, through faith. And I pray that you, now he's writing this church in Ephesus, but I believe this is a prayer that has covered the church since the Holy Spirit inspired it. He goes, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. And I want you to underline this next word, together, because this is so important, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. You know who this is? This is the church to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He goes, I want you to know, understand the depth of how amazing it is God's for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want you to underline that. Just stay, just look, underline that, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, Jesus is for you and wants to give you all of himself, wants to give you all of himself to you. This is life. This is what it means to be living the full measure. You know what? This is power. This is fullness. You know, I want that for me. I want it for my family. I want this for you. I want this for your family. I want this for our church family. I want this for the capital C church. That we live in the measure of the fullness of God. And look what he says. Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. He's able to do more than you can imagine. He is able to do more. More than you pray. He's able to do more. Look at this. What's it according to? according to his power that is at work within us. Underline that word us. Where's his power at work? His power is at work within us. That this us is the collective body of Christ. See, if we isolate ourselves from the church, the collective body of Christ, his power can't work in you or us together. This is why it's so important to be unified. 
to be together. And then he goes on to finish this little prayer. To him being Jesus, to him be the glory, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To God, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I think we can add our own amen to that. So be it. See, we are for Jesus because Jesus is for us. This is the love of God radically and recklessly given on, to, to, to come and, and rescue us. And we, because he is for us, are now for his glory. This is why his power is at work within all of us. This is why his power is at work within you and in you and in you. And when we come together, his power is at work within all of us because so that we, the church, can glorify him. You know what it means to glory? To glory means to reflect the image of God. When we glory in in God, we reflect the image of God. Like, Like an athlete, a stat reflects his glory or her glory. We are the people that reflect the image of God. We, the church, when we reflect the image of God, we glorify him. And when we reflect Jesus to the world around us, we glorify God. And it's a proof that his power is at work within us. See, God's power is at work within you. And he is able to do more through us, the church, when we, when you live for him. See, God's power is at work within you. And he, God is able to do immeasurably more in us, the church, when you live for him. When each of us live for Jesus together, God's power, we reflect Jesus to the world around us. And it glorifies God. This is what it means to live for Jesus together with the Holy Church. This is why we want you to love Jesus, become like Jesus, and share Jesus. Because this is the life that, of what it means to be for Jesus. And this is when God's power is able to do immeasurably more amongst us. Not that we do it for our own glory. Not that we do it to make ourselves look good. It's not for a name of a church. You know, this is that we reflect Jesus to the world that so desperately needs him. When you discover this, you discover something amazing. See, when you discover what you're for, you discover your purpose. When you discover what you were made for, when you discover why you're here, when you discover that purpose that's bigger than you, you, dis- you, discover, what you, you discover what you're for, you discover your purpose in life. And if you're here looking for purpose, if you're looking for significance, I want you to know that when you receive Jesus as your Savior and you trust in his forgiveness and you begin to follow him as your Lord and you become more like him, as you do this, as you begin to follow Jesus, you give your life for him you begin to glorify him and when you do it together with the lord the the, the people the, the body of christ you begin to find a purpose that is beyond you a purpose that is greater than the purpose you could have without christ this is the reason i believe the church is so important because the church reveals the true god to a world that so desperately is searching for life that so desperately needs what God has for them. See, Jesus reflects himself through the church body. And it's he reflects he 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 shows up in the world through the church. 
The church is so desperate for him, is for him because the world is so desperate for him. We need to know that this is why Jesus came. See, Jesus came so the people of the world could be saved through him. And this is why the church must reflect the image of God and be sent on mission to be a voice to those that are far from God. We each have a purpose. We each have a part to, in, that's a part of this church and a part of his big C church to fulfill the mission for which Jesus has came and he came to this earth to fulfill. And this is the teaching big idea that I want you to know today. See, your purpose is to become like Jesus and use your gifts to be a gift to the body of Christ so that we fulfill Jesus' mission. This is your purpose, your purpose. This is why we as a church are a church that's loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. Because your purpose is to become like Jesus and use the gifts that God's given you. We want to help you discover those gifts. Use those gifts to be a gift because that gift is not for you. That gift is for the you next to you. To be a gift for the body of Christ that is on Jesus' mission so we can fulfill that mission. See, God just hasn't given us salvation He's given us something also. To receive salvation is to receive a calling. And every one of us have received a calling. Scripture talks about a calling. We're going to see Paul talks about a calling that we have. I believe that this is a twofold calling. There are two parts to this calling. The first part is this, is a universal calling. And this is what I say. We share a universal calling to become like Jesus. This is why you were created. See, you were created in the image of God, but and this is why Jesus came because your sin and my sin that we are all born into broke the image of God in us and Jesus came to restore this image inside of us. And when you follow Jesus and you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, he makes you he restores the image of God in you. To restore the image of God in you. This this image that 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 God wants to bring you so you become more like Jesus. Jesus. And way we, the way we do this is we follow Jesus. We obey his teachings. We read scripture. We trust scripture. We follow scripture. We obey Jesus. And we listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life so that we grow and reflect the character of Jesus. This is how you know you're becoming more like Jesus. Your character reflects his. This is what Paul gets to next. He goes, as a prisoner for the Lord. He's writing this. This is one of his prison epistles. He writes this in prison. He goes, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy, look at this, of the calling you have received. See, you've received a calling. To be forgiven is to be a part of God's family. And to be part of God's family is to have this calling that we all share together. A calling, yes, to receive forgiveness and a calling to become like Jesus. And here's what that looks like. Paul says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You and I share a calling that is one. You and I share this calling to become like Jesus. And you're not going to be fulfilled in this life until you embrace this as your purpose in life. Yes, you might have a job to do, but that job is not your purpose in life. God created you with a deeper purpose, and that deeper purpose is to grow in your character to become like 
Jesus. See, our universal calling is to grow in our character so that we reflect Jesus' character. This is why Paul would say, be completely humble. See, he's reflecting the character of Jesus. Be completely humble and gentle. That's what he's talking about. And in this, we need to make every effort, he would say, to keep the bond, uh, keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's God's power at work. See, that we're unified in our purpose to become like Jesus. This is God's power at work within you. It's not that you do something, it's that you become someone just like Jesus. God's power is at work within you this way. Now, we have two choices in this. We can either reject this or we can cooperate with this. We can either reject this and resist this. We can resist this as our purpose in life or we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit working in us. That cooperation is something Scripture calls sanctification. That is what, what, what this is. As we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit's purpose in my life, that he's given you, the Holy Spirit's a gift to you to make you more like Jesus. And that's what he does. Paul writes to the church, another church in Galatia. And he says, as you're walking with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, kind of like marching orders, you're doing this with the Holy Spirit. And it's to an end, to, so that the evidence that the Holy Spirit's working you, except he uses this word fruit, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, this is what the work of God inside of you, this is the power of God at work in you. This is our calling to reflect Jesus' character in a world that has been so destroyed by the selfishness of our sinfulness. Paul continues with the church in Ephesus here, and he continues to write, and the Holy Spirit inspires him how to live out this calling of becoming like Jesus. And it's by recognizing that you have a unique calling. And this is how he gets to it. But each t- to each, to each of you, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And that word grace is that word grace has been given is 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 the it's a gift. There's a gift that God has given to you as Christ is apportioned it. And this is beyond salvation. The, I think Paul's talking about a totally different gift. And he's leading up to that here in a second. But what he gets to, he goes, this is why it says when he ascended on high, so Jesus went back to heaven, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and look at this, gave gifts to his people. He gave gifts to his people. Now, Paul has this little aside to talk about what he just mentioned here. He said, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He's saying, Jesus came down to earth. When he resurrected, he went back up and he's over all things. He's over all things. He's back in his place of authority and he has the authority to give gifts to each and every one as he wants it to be. Now, back to the gifts. So Christ himself gave or gifted the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, your version may say shepherds, if you have a different version, and teachers. These are gifts. People are gifts. And he gives each and every one of us a gift. And in this, why does he give the gifts to these people? To equip his people, which is the church, for what? Works of service. You know why God gives gifts? For work to be done. 
God doesn't give gifts to us for our own personal benefit. He gives us a gift for the benefit of the person next to you, for works of service. This is what this is. It's a service. It's not selfish. It's for other people. And then he says this, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, I want you to underline this, unity until we all each reach unity. And something happens. What are we reaching unity? We're not reaching unity on whether we're for this or for that. We're reaching unity in the faith. We're reaching unity on what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and our purpose in him. This is what we reach unity on. In the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and look at this, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that fullness that we just prayed for. How does that fullness come? It comes through unity, that we're together with one purpose, under one faith, under one Lord, one baptism. And in this, see, I want you to catch this real quick. Spiritual maturity doesn't happen unless there's unity. Spiritual maturity can't happen unless there's unity. We have many, and I say this humbly and I say this respectfully, we have many immature people in the church, not just our church, across the church as a whole, that, that immature people who call themselves Christians but won't be united with the church because their opinions are divisive. See, what are we unified around? Who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This is what binds us together. This is what our marching, this is why we need to come together and not be separated from each other. See, spiritual maturity doesn't happen until we embrace not just our universal calling to become like Jesus, but we also embrace this unique calling that we've been given It's a calling to build each other up and not be divisive, but to build each other up. See, we can't be for Jesus and be against the church and the people of the church because to be for Jesus is to be for the church. And Jesus gives gifts to the people. You're a gift. Gives to the people of the church. Now, there are two ways to interpret this. I've kind of talked about one way to interpret it. And, and here, here's the two ways to interpret these apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I'm just going to call this a pest, okay? It, just for easy sake. There's two ways to view this. One is a very traditional view that is, is no wrong, this is not wrong to believe this, but that one way is to say that these are fivefold offices that God appoints, and these are appointed in the church, and they're affirmed by the people. And these are like offices that are over, overseeing and things like that. And, and in this, like it would be like me as a pastor, that this is my gift. I'm, I'm the gift to equip you for the work of ministry. And that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is to see it in the context of what we read earlier, where God gives gifts to the people. And the con- this is kind of the way I tend to believe this. So this, is the, this is the side of the fence I land on. That in this, that every one of us have been gifted a gift of one of these so that we enact our unique, our, our unique purpose in our, uh, as an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or teacher to build each other up in 
the faith. And in this scene, and this is the way we reflect the fullness of Jesus. Jesus, who was the first apostle sent into this world. Jesus, who was a prophet of prophets. He was the supreme prophet of all people for all to bring all back to God. He's an evangelist. He was the first evangelist to teach about the kingdom of God. And he is the chief shepherd and he is the ultimate teacher. And when you and I reflect this and we embrace that we have a unique purpose, that it, we have a, a, a gift in one of these that we are to give to the church for each other, we reflect the fullness of God and fulfill our purpose. See, your unique calling is to be a gift for the church and use your gifts for God's purposes. God has made you to be a gift to this church, not just this church, to the capital C church. And this doesn't mean that everyone's going to be working in all these on a Sunday. No, see, this is why outside the church is so important and outside what we do on Sunday services is so important because this is outside is where we operate in our giftedness. This is where we embrace our unique calling. This goes beyond Sunday. God has uniquely shaped you to equip others in the church. This is part of your purpose. And maybe... This is what you need to have awakened in you, is how has God gifted me to be an equipper of what God wants to do in the body of Christ. Your unique calling is to be an expression of Jesus' presence by embracing your role in APEST. See, you have a place. You have a place in APEST to build up the body of Christ. It, you have a place in this. That, that, that my, I love what Marcus Barth says in his Ephesians commentary. He writes this, that apest are the modes of Christ's presence. Alan Hirsch would say that uh, regarding Christ, he'd say this, that this is how the body of Christ is present and operating in the body of Christ. That when we embrace our unique calling, then we, need, we discover our apest and use it to be a gift to build up the church and not divide it, to build up. It, this is when it becomes clear within the church and to the world that God, that Jesus is among us. This is his power at work within us. This is what maturity looks like when we embrace our gift and use our gift that God's called us to build up the church, to glorify and reflect the glory of God to the world. This is maturity. See, we mature when we grow in our character, our universal calling, and operate in your giftedness, your unique calling. Maturity just doesn't happen by receiving just knowledge and learning and acquiring knowledge. Maturity comes when we build, use the gift that he's given us to build up the body of Christ. See, maybe this is your gift, and I need your gift in my life to build me up. I need you to help me heal as a shepherd. I need you to help me and correct me when I'm wrong so I can reflect the image of God. I need you to lead me and inspire me to go on mission. I need you to help me to reach our friends for Jesus. This is how we do this together. And we reflect the nature of God. See, each of us have a role, and our role is to equip the body of Christ for works of service so that we are unified. We come together in our faith and knowledge of Jesus and live in the fullness of Christ. See, we can't be mature. God's power can't work within us if we're not being given for each other. I love how Paul ends this. 
He goes, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And then by the cunning of craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow. Speaking the truth in love. Operating in our giftedness and speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body. See, he's bringing this into something that you're part of something so much bigger. He would write to the church in Corinth and say, each part of you are part of something and you need each other. You can't say you don't need them because you do. Because all the parts are, whole, are held together. From him, the whole body joined and held together. You're part of it. You hold the part, you hold the body together when you use your gift to build up the body of Christ, growing and building itself up in love as each part does its work. I want to ask you a question before we leave. Will you play your part in, as part of the body of Christ? Will you play your part as part of the body of Christ? We're gonna sing a song and as we sing, we're gonna celebrate a baptism of someone coming into the body, celebrating their identifying with the body of Christ. And you know what? She needs you to play your part as part of the body of Christ. The lost person in your neighborhood needs you to play your part as part of the body of Christ. Your kids need you to play your part. Your neighbor's kids need you to play your part as part of the body of Christ. So will you do your part to be given for the church so we grow and build ourselves up in Christ's love. Will you celebrate with her as we sing this together? And will you reflect? And I'm going to come back and pray with us at the end. You're worthy of every song we could ever sing.
worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, we are for you. And we'll be for your church. Holy Spirit, we're going to cooperate with you. We won't resist you. Forgive us for resisting you. But we're going to cooperate with you and your work in us to make us more like Jesus so that together your work can be at work within us and your power can be manifest so we reflect you to the world around us. And we'll be for your church and we'll see that we are gifted and our, the gifts that you've given us are to be gifts to each other so that we can build each other up so we can be unified on this purpose and accomplish the mission we're joining you in. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that makes us more like Jesus. And thank you that we get a share in the family of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two things before you leave. First is this, is I want you to know that uh, next week we're going to continue this. We're going to talk about APEST. And uh, we're going to hopefully help you discover maybe what you, gift you are to the local body of Christ to help you fulfill your unique purpose. Second thing is this, is in your bulletin is a URL to the fivefold ministry to where you can explore this. I encourage you to take this little assessment. It won't take long. There's two opportunities, two versions of it, a long version, a short version. So you can do whichever one you are able to. It's free to you. And let's come back together and explore this so we can be the gift to the church. Hey, God bless you. Our prayer partners are available. They'd love to pray with anyone for any reason today. And if you came to be a part of the, uh, the life group dinner, that, that's going to kick off in the landing right after this. God bless you. We will see you next Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.